0: Welcome to episode number 12, today with uh, Roxana Khan, who joins us here today in our office. The last podcast that we will be having from this location, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, enjoy it, enjoy the view um, of this nice artwork behind us. And, yeah, today we'll be talking about. You as a person, challenges that you faced, uh, how we met. This is how we will start, and yeah, we'll see where the conversation takes us. You're welcome. So, Oksana, we met. When did we meet? Half a year ago? A year ago? Um, I think for in the it's called the business network in a in a meeting on a Wednesday morning, and then we just recently reconnected uh, for for that podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you, uh, about who you are? and what you're doing here.
1: I am in Qatar since 2004. Okay. So, 16 years. And I moved here from the U.S. Mm -hmm. I am a business lawyer. I trained in the U.K. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in London. I went to university in England. And then from there I went to the U.S. I lived there for more than a decade. Mm -hmm. Then I eventually moved out here. Okay. To and that was in 2004.
0: 2004. What made you move here? Why Qatar?
1: Actually, that's a long story. Okay. It wasn't my choice. Okay. I was a trailing soon-to-be ex of my husband at the time, brought my children over here mm-hmm. without my permission or consent. Okay. So, actually, I came out here to bring my children back Mm -hmm. to the U.S. or the U.K. Mm -hmm. It didn't end up happening that way. And I ended up falling in love with the country, Mm -hmm. the way of life. As a single working mother, it was a much more comfortable environment for me to raise my children. And so I decided to stay. And I haven't looked back since then. Since then, okay. Every has a silver lining.
0: Okay, so you've been here now in, for 16 years. So I guess you've been. I mean, you've seen a lot of the development here here in the country. Um, what made you stay? Beside maybe the safety and the environment to raise children, what was it in particular that you that you said that you like about the place? Have you been to Qatar before that? Have you been to the Middle East before that?
1: Um, I had only visited with my husband, okay. um, and that was all. So, when I was growing up, actually, I wanted to live in the Middle East for okay. a while, but I didn't put it on my radar, mm. I thought I will just live in the U.S. and work there and build my career there, mm-hmm. and so this was an unexpected twist okay. in the tale. Okay. But I, I enjoyed the safety, Mm. the stability, my children were at a good school, and like I said, it's very difficult for any working parent, especially working mothers, to balance your home life and your working life. Mm. So when I was in the UK, I was working with the biggest law firm in the country. I was commuting on the tube into the city working city hours, coming back home, not really having a life. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to New York, the city that never sleeps, mm-hmm. I was working like that too. Okay. So, you know, it was, I know I couldn't have done that with a family. Mm-hmm. And that was before I had a family. And after that, I moved to Chicago, where I actually took a career break. Because for me, family comes first, and it's always been my children first priority for me. So I took a break, and I wasn't expecting to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I ended up here.
0: You're coming to Canada, and I
1: needed to find work. Okay. I was really fortunate to land a job in a law firm, a local firm, and a, a really good firm that had a great reputation. Mm-hmm and I really enjoyed the people I worked with. They were like my second family, and Doha became a home away from home, and I was really comfortable with the culture, uh, obviously the religion. Mm-hmm. It was so easy for me in every way, and you know, you can get help here. It just, it, it was a big blessing, that's okay. what I can say. Blessing in disguise.
0: Okay. And speaking about your career, you, you said you've been a lawyer in, in the UK, in New York, and Chicago, you took a break. What made you choose that career path?
1: Uh, I call myself the accidental lawyer. Okay. Because I never had any intentions to become a lawyer. But what happened is, in high school, because I was getting good grades, my family being Indian... Mm-hmm expected me to maybe be a doctor (laughs) or some other, very respectable professional, and I realized very early that I didn't like science. Mm. So I just picked the subjects I did enjoy, Mm. which was languages. I studied French, German, I could speak both really well, but when it came to university, I actually wanted to study Arabic Mm. and French but the place that I wanted to apply to, Cambridge, didn't offer it at the time. So I had a choice. Do I go for the place? Do I go for the subject? What shall I do? And like most people at that age, you don't have a clue what you want to be when you grow up. And so I thought, okay, let me investigate other subjects. And law seemed really intellectually challenging and stimulating at the same time. And so I applied, and um, I got in, mm-hmm. and I did my law degree there. And then it was a question of, okay, what do I do now? Because I still didn't plan to be a lawyer. Yeah. And you can do so many things with a general degree. But then I saw all my friends on that kind of uh, conveyor belt to go into the profession. So I thought, all right, let me just at least get qualified as a lawyer. So I did, and in the middle, I decided I would really like to travel, because that's one of my passions, travel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I asked my parents if they would let me go to the U.S. to study. And my parents have been my rock, and they're just so supportive. We couldn't really afford it at the time, but they actually sold investments that they had for retirement mm-hmm. to put me through grad school in the U.S. And then I thought, all right, I need to go back and work and see what it's like to work as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and it was it was a good profession to be in, and I loved to learn. So the thing about law was I was always learning. It was, everything was new to me. Mm-hmm. And I just continued from
0: there. Okay. And now, how many uh, years later we are we are sitting here? So uh.
1: I've been a qualified lawyer. I was calculating mm. it 27 years.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: 27
0: years. And in in the lead up to to that podcast, you said you are also a very creative person. We are talking about other projects that we might collaborate on in terms of voiceover, in terms of animated videos, etc. Um, being a creative person The first thing That doesn't come to, your, to my mind Is law mm-hmm. In particular So how, how does this go together?
1: So I am a lawyer With a creative heart okay. And I've actually brought That creative nature To my work And I feel that is part of my success mm-hmm. uh, Because I have had Professional success um, I actually was, na- I'm the first woman from Qatar and one of only four people who is named in something called the Legal 500 Hall of Fame.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, and that's really, it, it's, a it's perfect, an achievement again yeah. for me. Uh, it's actually, the Legal 500 mm-hmm. is a lawyer and law firm rating agency, it's global, I okay. and the Hall of Fame is something that was only open to the lawyers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for a long time. And what happens is the Legal 500 interview lawyers and clients and the market, mm-hmm. it's all objective feedback they get. Okay. And so they publish rankings and ratings, and because I was on the list of leading lawyers for seven years, mm-hmm. I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I they only opened it up to lawyers outside of the U.S. in 2018, okay. which is when I was inducted. So, okay. going back to the question about creativity, I've always balanced my legal work with my other passions. Mm-hmm. I love to read. I love to write. I want to write books as well. And those skills, that skill set has served me really well in the legal profession. Okay. And creativity is part in problem solving. Mm-hmm. You need that to solve clients' problems. So I managed to do that and also as you said, the, the voice work. So when I was in the US and I wasn't working mm-hmm. I never wasted a day. I would record audio books for the blind and dyslexic. And it just kept me tapped into my creative side. Mm-hmm. And it really, I think any job that you're in, you you have to find a way to incorporate what you love. You, you might not do what you love, but you should love what you do. do you, did you feel ever that
0: you need to choose between what you like and what you... Reading, writing, um, recording audiobooks—what you, what you're passionate about—and work. Did you ever have a feeling, oh, I need to choose? or oh, this was, no well, that's my work, and I, I need it, or I, I, I like doing it as well. But this is actually where my passion lies.
1: No, I, I found joy over the years. I've surprised myself that okay. I've actually found joy in being a lawyer mm-hmm. because I don't think of myself as a lawyer the way other people see me. So people who aren't in the law mm-hmm. think of lawyers as those men and women who stand up in a court and say, I object, yeah. and they argue, and, and they love fights mm-hmm. and conflict, and that's completely not me. Okay. So I am a office-based advisor Mm -hmm. and most lawyers are that. Mm -hmm. We advise people and we help them solve issues or facilitate. So, for example, in my work as a business lawyer, I help people to set up businesses and bring people together. And a lot of contracts are just trying to Make sure that both sides are on the same page, mm-hmm. and that's what I enjoy the most. Okay, is to bring my skill set to help people in whatever context. In context.
0: I, I think what you said, this is ex- like most likely exactly how people outside the industry see it because it's always law something. If you don't need a lawyer, then you can consider yourself lucky, I guess. But there are so many other things, what you just said, for setting up businesses, uh, making sure contracts are in place, that is more what you do, but I think most would not necessarily in the first place see that this is what a lawyer does. Um, What what is it that you say maybe that you learned over the years um, being, being in the profession? What kind of problems are people dealing with? How can you help them solve it? And what is maybe the audience that is is listening, what can they learn from your career and uh, the problems that you're facing?
1: Um, I would say just as a lawyer, my philosophy is, I'm like a doctor. Okay. And we know for good health, prevention is better than cure. So I get very sad when I see people come when they have a big mess on the hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like they've left it too late almost, mm-hmm. so I prefer to take a more preventive approach, which is why I really recommend people get good contracts done mm-hmm. when everything is working, yeah. and so I try to help people avoid problems down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, And the challenges I faced, I've I've been really fortunate to have interacted with people who let me, who trusted me, you know, they liked me, I didn't come across as a very inaccessible professional, you know, they, they got a very different impression of lawyers after working with me okay. and you know eventually they would start talking about family and mm-hmm. you know personal stuff because we related on a human level yeah and ultimately i think that's what you need to do to avoid those kind of problems i i've experienced bullying mm-hmm. when i was in london when i was in new york and even here i've witnessed bullying into in in the in the workplace. Workplace, but uh, I think people treat you how you let them.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How, how how could you then avoid being treated badly?
1: You have to believe in yourself. You have to cultivate self-esteem, self-confidence, and really work on your own mindset, mm-hmm. to understand your own value, your own worth. Because I've been through that, for, you know, when I got divorced, yeah. sort of having to pick myself up mm-hmm. and dust myself off and become a better person. So really, I think in the workplace or in, in your personal life, it's, it's about being your best friend. Okay. Being, being your own champion, your own coach, your own cheerleader, because you might not have them around you all the time, and that's how you can deal with challenges. That's that's how you build resilience. Mm-hmm. Right? Resilience is a muscle, and you know from working out. I know from working out, it only comes when you actually work those muscles. Yeah, I think it's that's an
0: amazing point to to make for. Many entrepreneurs, for people who have ideas, who want to start a business, who are in business, um, sometimes running a business, running an organization can be a very lonely thing to do. And then exactly it comes down to those things that you just mentioned. Um, when nobody else around you is is cheering for you, you need to find a small voice in your head that is um, constantly cheering and is constantly basically um uh, yeah, what you said, being your best friend, um, it's I think a very important point for for everyone to to take away. Is this, did you learn it the hard way, um, like like you said, or is this yes? yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> way, okay. If I can help anyone today, is mm-hmm. to give them the shortcut. This yeah. is what you have to do. You mm-hmm. have to work on yourself. There yeah. is a quote by um, an ancient philosopher, Socrates. Mm-hmm. He said, to know oneself is the beginning of wisdom, okay. and I really believe in that, that over the years, as you mature, that's when you actually start to learn about yourself through your experiences, and as Steve mm-hmm. Jobs said, you connect the dots when you look back, mm-hmm. right? So, but you have to really try to figure out who you are, mm-hmm. what makes you tick, what makes you happy what you don't want to live with and, and stand up for those things. How can you
0: figure that out?
1: Um, take time to reflect. I read a lot. Mm. I really read. I love nowadays I listen to audiobooks mm-hmm. a lot from the library. My favorite place, got the National Library. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and listen to podcasts. Watch videos on YouTube. Just surround myself with people who whom I, I admire, I respect, who've had life lessons mm-hmm. and have a lot to teach us. And baby. Some things we learn on our own mm-hmm. in our context, because nobody's walking in my shoes. Yeah. right. It's just me. Um, but also, you can definitely take from people who've been there and that's what you have to do. You have to go out and you have to find mentors, coaches, and even if they're not physically there mm-hmm. in your environment, nowadays with technology, you've got access at the click of a mouse, mm. well, or they yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> Which they didn't have in my day when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in an era when, when apple was um, a fruit, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> This was before mobiles, before people had laptops even. Yeah. So I remember when I was starting out as a junior lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, we had secretaries who used typewriters as well. If people know what that is. Yes. Uh,
0: maybe we can we can bring in a picture at this at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I I see what you mean, and I think a very important point that you made it's it's not about having mentors around, sitting with you, uh, I don't know people that you need to shadow that you physically need to be there, but it's about surrounding yourself with the right mindset, with the right people, um, over podcast, over YouTube, over Spotify, whatever the platform is, to constantly listen and educate yourself, and to. Surround yourself with what you want to achieve, um, with good thoughts, with positive thoughts, with encouraging things, um, and reading, whatever it takes to to learn from experience um, that other people already made for you.
1: Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I believe you are what you eat, Mm -hmm. not just in health tone, literally, literally what you consume. I'm very, very careful about what I consume, Mm I don't watch TV hardly, I never have. I mean, I keep up-to-date, mm-hmm. but I just am very careful about the people around me, so if there are toxic people around me, mm-hmm. I'm very quick now to distance myself from mm-hmm. them. Um, because I, I read a quote once, which is one of my favorites, it's, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people you're around.
0: Mm, Okay,
1: yeah. I can't change the people around me. Mm -hmm. I can maybe try to influence them by my behavior. If it's worth the effort. Well, I believe I try with everybody because I have an open heart Mm -hmm. and I try to find the good in everyone. But as I learned in my own personal life, you can't change everybody. You can't change anybody. Mm the only one you can change is yourself and if that means you have to take a step back and you have to keep a safe distance within yeah. your um energy field mm-hmm. that's what you have to do yeah uh, and you, and that's how you can still be that positive influence on others uh, energies it's, it's contagious yeah right so and it's- this is very key who do you spend your time
0: and your energy on? Mm-hmm. It's it's so true for so many aspects of life. I, I think not only like personal life, but also the, the business uh, side of things, um, the team that you build around yourself, uh, the people that come to the office every day that support you. It's it's really the the energy, the the vibe that they bring to the office, and that creates momentum eventually. If I think you have a team together, and lucky to to call my team uh, something like that. Um, there is a momentum that really creates something else, be, just beside we are coming to work, getting paid, we leave at whatever time it is, and we come back the next day. If you can manage as a as a leader or team member to create this this energy that you were talking about, can be extremely powerful. I think.
1: Yeah, and actually that. Brings me back to that top, that topic you were talking about challenges. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hidden challenges living and working in a place like Qatar mm-hmm. is there is a sense of complacency, and people get comfortable very easily and quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite hard sometimes to push yourself because everyone around you is taking it easy taking Mm -hmm. it slow and the standards are what they are but if you aspire to something more, something bigger something greater Mm -hmm. you're going to have to push yourself and not get sucked into that level where you feel it's easy, it's it's a nice uh, cruise lifestyle Mm -hmm. but if you really do have some fire in you You're going to have to be around Maybe different people In
0: your own time No, I agree And I can only imagine With you working in in New York For uh, more than a decade You said um, A city that never sleeps Uh, I worked myself in in Germany In in bigger cities There is I feel a different vibe to it That keeps you in that wheel Going and going and going That is completely the opposite From how I experienced Doha It's more if you don't run and give everything that you can, you just won't be quick enough. Um, and here it's quite I don't wanna say the opposite, but the default is quite what you said on a on a cruise control. And only if you really if you have that fire in you and don't accept to, to slow down because you're aiming for bigger things, then you can you can really make a difference. Otherwise you will adapt to to the pace here. Yeah. That's
1: right. I mean it, it's a wonderful thing of to be able to live a normal lifestyle and is. burn out, which is what happened when I worked in New York. I was there for two years and mm-hmm. I burned out in two years. Okay. It didn't take long at all. Uh, but you don't get that here. Mm-hmm. Very rare that you would experience burnout in a place like mm-hmm. Doha. And, and it's nice because there's family values people are balancing their lifestyle, and that's a good, big part of why people come here, yeah. from Western countries in particular, yeah. anywhere in the world. Um, but you also have to look at your why. Mm-hmm. And something else I, I felt was a lot of people just look at the bottom line, like, you know, as long as I'm earning a decent living, I'm yeah. living a comfortable life, what more do I need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's only as good as it lasts, mm-hmm. and it and may not last forever. Exactly. you Have to think longer term. Yeah,
0: and I don't think it's, I for me myself, I could imagine this is not very satisfying as well if it's just cruise control, like mm-hmm. as of now and tomorrow I'm fine, I'm healthy, I get my salary, and that's it. Thank you. That's just that's not. Really suicide, yeah, my it's. But I guess it's different for everyone. Um, it's not maybe something for for people who aspire um, to have a career like like you have uh, like I'm hopefully planning to have that's something else but I think it's also not for everyone
1: correct and you that's why it said you have to know yourself exactly what are your priorities if your family like mine is my priority Mm -hmm. I took time off work I took a time out Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ashamed of it I was very happy to do that and I have friends, um, women of color, who went to university with me. Mm-hmm. Today they are partners in the world's biggest firms, and actually one of my friends is the chairperson of one of the world's biggest firms, okay. a, you know, a Muslim woman. Yeah. And I'm so proud of her, but I don't compare myself to her, and that's another thing. People, I think, spend a lot of time comparing themselves. Mm-hmm. To other people and they want what other people have and it creates a sense of inadequacy yeah. and insecurity mm. which comes out it definitely does manifest in different ways yeah. uh, so you have to stop yourself so know yourself know what's important to you and don't be ashamed or embarrassed Feel any less mm. because your priorities are different than oh, somebody else. Yeah. And to respect what you said um,
0: from your from your school friend, uh, respect the sacrifices that she made on that journey to where she is today. And she might have had, or surely had, different priorities. So, um, and this makes it almost not comparable. Like um, everyone who, what whatever whatever you decide is a. It's a priority in in your life. Uh, that might be different to to someone else. Correct.
1: Um, Very good. You can you can you can have it all, but maybe not at the same time. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not sure if you can have it all. I, I I don't know. But you will need to live with the sacrifices that will be asked from you, and it's just it. I mean, this is such a easy thing to say, I guess, but it it won't come easy. And if you're aiming high, there are likely big challenges coming your way and big uh, losses and setbacks coming your way. And you will need, need to be fine with that. And it comes back to knowing yourself, comes back to not comparing yourself.
1: Success is different for everyone. So your definition of success is different from mine, it's different from theirs. Yeah. And for me, if you can go to bed at night with a clear conscience mm-hmm. knowing that you did your best, and you try to deal with the challenges that life throws at you. Mm-hmm. Because it always does and always will. Yeah. Then um, and you're grateful, being very grateful for whatever you have. Mm-hmm. That that's success in some shape or form. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's definitely a good base to start with, to to be in that mindset. I think we we will wrap it up at at this stage. Thank you for being here today. We already said we will likely have a, another episode talking about a few few other aspects. And thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Marco. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you.